0: and scores! Tomas Hurdle hits the jackpot! You're listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Scores, scores, scores! Scores! Logan Couture wins it in overtime! Now, now here's your host, Ted Ramey.
1: We tried to play to our identity as best as we could and uh, you know I, I think everybody knows there were some nerves there at the beginning especially for some of the young guys and uh, we were a little jittery in the first period and we settled down a little bit and we talked about that in between our first and second period about you know regardless of being down one um, let's get back to our game and I'm, we did a real good job of doing that. I think we battled hard you know
2: all four lines you know we, I think we, we just battled you know we, maybe we, we don't have much skill like other teams you know, we, you know we're going to on all these skill teams, and I think we have to just work, work hard, you know. I think we got great four lines, you know, which kinda we, I think we missed that before, but, you know, everybody work yeah. hard, you know, whether have a big game, you know, I was happy for him, you know, big goal, and after, you know, tip to me. So, but I, I like our four lines, you know, Hiller was great, and that's what we, have, we need to do every night because maybe we don't have much skill like the other teams, but we have to outwork them. I think we did tonight against Winnipeg, which is a really good team.
1: All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tide. What a night it was last night! It was just, I mean, it was the best. It was everything you'd been waiting for for a long, long time. And we've been talking about the idea of getting fans back in the building since, well, you know, March, February, March 2020. That was a long, long time ago. And then to finally have it actually come to fruition last night, uh, that was pretty, pretty spectacular, pretty awesome. And I think there was just so much just fun things to see uh, just from, you know, the way to, to hear everybody singing along with the Canadian and American national anthems to hear the roar of people just reacting to everything that was happening in the game, whether it was Tomas Hurtle, you know, going to the penalty box and imploring the crowd to cheer him on or whether it was reaction to a goal or a save or a fight or whatever it was going to be. These are the things that we missed out on. This was the collective as a sporting society that we love to be a part of. We love to be excited about what the people that are around us are excited about. We love to be able to take part in that collective environment where we all know we're rooting for the same team. We all know we're, you know, all trying to will that team to the same outcome. And yes, there were a couple Jets fans there last night, but you get my point. I mean, when you go to the tank, you're there with a bunch of other people who despite your other differences in life, be they political or religious or whatever they're going to be, whatever separates us in this world, we all know that when we get together at the tank, we all agree on the fact that we want the Sharks to win. We all love the Sharks. We want them to go out there and win. And we all got to do that together on Saturday night. And it was just, it was fun. You know, it was, it was a, uh, it was a moment you've been waiting for. And I, I think that to see it finally happen, it didn't seem almost real. I really like the uh, cool LED light things on the seats. And yes, that is the technical term for them, at least as far as I have coined them. But it's just cool to see those things. You know, it's cool to see the things that you've missed out on. And getting that was awesome. And just watching the team play was awesome. And, I, you know, I just, I got to get that out first. Uh, the game in and of itself, it was such a difference compared to watching the Sharks last year. Last year, the Sharks, if they went down a goal, you felt like the game was over. If they went down two goals, you knew the game was over. But even in this game, when you're down two goals, it didn't really feel like it. And the way the team was playing out there on the ice, it felt like they believed they could get themselves back into it. And it took one moment, and Cogliano made something happen. And every time the Sharks got a little bit of momentum, I noticed something about this team compared to last year. And last year, whenever in the middle of a game, or start of a game, or end of a game, it it doesn't really matter. Just whenever, during the course of a game, the Sharks got a little bit of momentum. Like, they would go on the power play, or they would score a goal, or they would have a deficit, or whatever it is. It felt like they would just go overkill and try and maximize and make something happen. Like, they would go all out for a minute and 30 seconds, and then when they didn't score that goal, it was like they said, oh, well, it's not happening, so let's give up. You know, I start to equate that as the the echoes of the sharks that were, and I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but I am serious. Like before when the sharks would have those teams, it felt like if they got a little bit of momentum, they would score again within the next minute or two minutes. And it would happen. It would happen. It would happen. And last year, and maybe even the year before a little bit, when it didn't happen, it just seemed like the defeat would set in because they were used to it happening. And now I, I view that as like kind of the echoes. It's the fade away of a former team. And, we talked about this on Drew Remendez Podcast about how these aren't the sexy Sharks that we remember with Joe Pavelski and Joe Thornton. This is an entirely new Sharks era. And I like to see this era build quality wins for themselves like that when they are down by two goals and find a way to get themselves back into the game. That, to me, was just massive. And to do it on opening night, the first game of the year, to find a way to get themselves back into that game, just huge. And you love that it's a veteran like Cogliano. You love that it's a guy like Jasper Weatherby scoring his first goal. You love that it's Tomash Hurdle doing everything we know he's capable of doing. You love that it's Rudolph's Balsers just going in like a wrecking ball and watching whatever, you know, just sort of chaos is going to happen after the fact. I love that. I love that the Sharks at many instances during the game were able to wait for it to happen. And when it didn't happen right away, they didn't just quit. They didn't just give up. They kept on fighting. They kept on working. Like, we can talk about the power plays that led up to their first power play goal. They were having a horrible time entering the zone. They couldn't. Winnipeg was bringing numbers forward. Every time the Sharks tried to come in, it was denied. It was denied. It was denied. And I was watching, and I was like, oh, my God, this this looks not good. I want the power play to be good. And then, lo and behold, when the night is said and done, they do walk away with a couple of power play goals. And that's what it comes down to, right? They won the special teams battle. They scored two power play goals to none of the Jets. And then another thing to pay attention to while we completely overreact to one year from the next is that the Sharks won about 60% of the face-offs. Last year, Faceoffs were a huge, huge problem. So we know that the depth they brought in and we know that maybe it's been a point of focus for the Sharks. We know that's allowed them, at least in one game, to have a better outcome. And I know that we cannot try and extrapolate one game's results over 82 games, but it it looked different. You know, I I feel like, I mean, go back to game number one last year when they had a lead over Arizona and then it goes into overtime and it reminded everybody a lot of what they saw the year before. This didn't look like last year to me, whereas last year seemed a lot like a reverberation of the 2019-2020 campaign. This seems wholly different for the Sharks. And I'm, and I'm hoping... That it is because we don't want to go through a repeat performance of last year. That was not fun, nor was the year before. We all know we like it more when the Sharks are a good contending team. And, you know, I'm not going to try and fool you and say that the Sharks are going to be contending for a Stanley Cup this year. But I'd like to see the Sharks contend for the playoffs. I know that there's many, many out there who think the Sharks should be shutting it down and trying to get a good draft spot. And, you know, I just. I, that's not what I want to see in the San Jose Sharks. I want to see the San Jose Sharks competitive. I want to see the most out of guys like Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle and Eric Carlson, and Brent Burns, and, you know, you go down the list. And I think that what we saw out there last night was a team that believes that, that they too want to compete, that they too want to find themselves in the playoffs and see exactly what they are made of as a team. But I love I love the fact that it came, you had veterans, you had young guys you had new faces you had all sorts of different contributors and that's what it takes it can't just be the same guys over and over and over that said you need to have Tomas Hurdle as one of your best players you need to have Eric Carlson as one of your best players you need to have your best guys as your best guys that's not going to surprise anyone but seeing contributions across the board I mean Jasper Weatherby the more and more you're gonna learn about this guy over the course of the year, you're gonna fall in love with him. He is, you know, an incredible human being. He comes from an incredible family. And I think that watching him doing this right now is pretty staggering. I think when you look at a guy like Aiden Hill, you watched his compete, you watched his battle, you you saw that he didn't get rattled by a couple of plays that maybe would have rattled other goalies. And I thought that he hung in there very well and his performance was not perfect. I didn't expect him to be perfect. He didn't need to be perfect, but he was good enough, and I thought there was a lot to work on there. I thought that William Eklund looked like he was tentative at first but got more and more comfortable over the course of the game, so I'm excited to see more and more from him over the course of the next couple of games and deep into the season, I hope. But it's just a lot of things to look at last night and walk away from a good feeling. I don't think any of us had really walked away from a Sharks game with a good feeling in a long, long time. I think you have to probably go back to, you know, one of the wins against the Blues, and maybe that stretch in November of 2019, after the Sharks had an awful start to their season and they were getting wins and then propelling themselves up the standings and getting back into it, only to see things come crashing down again in the month of December of 2019. But, you know, that was a long, long time ago. There's a lot that's occurred to the San Jose Sharks. There's a lot that's occurred to the world in that time. And, Last night was an opportunity to get to see it all. So very, very fun last night. And the other, the other thing I loved was, uh, you know, getting the, the, the reactions for Randy Hahn and Brett Hedekin and Dan Ruzanowski and Scott Hannon. And how about the round of applause for Drew Remenda? I thought that was a, a special moment. And I'm going to ask him about that uh, when we get to the interview I did with him in the postgame last night because he came and joined me and Dan Ruzanowski on extended post-game coverage here on the Sharks Audio Network. And I asked him about it because if you'd listened to the podcast I did with Drew, he expressed a lot of uh, apprehensiveness and the fact that he felt he wasn't going to live up to the hype and everybody just, you know, absolutely adored the guy. And, you know, I I didn't know Drew very well in the past. We'd had brief interactions because when he left the Sharks after 2014, I, you know, I wasn't really working for the team at all. I had a good relationship with everybody at the Sharks, uh, but, uh, you know, I wasn't in the fold. And that grew over the following, you know, not quite decade, but, you know, it was five years before I started working for the Sharks in spring of 2019 when they, you know, made that. But I really did like what I saw last night. I mean, that is what I keep on coming back to. The fact that they did not let their shoulders sink. The fact that they all fought from each other right from the get go. The fact that everybody was willing to stick up for each other, I thought was huge. And I know that. We saw the way the culture built up last year, and we can overreact or underreact to that, and we can do whatever we want to do. But last year, Bugner had to come out and like specifically say, hey, you guys need to fight for each other. That message did not need to be delivered. That message was being delivered by the Sharks themselves. And the Sharks were making the Jets be the reactionary team. In the first period, yeah, the Sharks were a little bit shaky. But then after that, they took over the game, and then the Jets were the team that were reacting to the Sharks. I think that's just so critical to notice if the Sharks are going to want to have success because last year they were the reactionary team. They were oftentimes staring up at a deficit or they would take an early lead only to bleed goals left and right. You know, this year they need to kind of control their own destiny a little bit more. And a big part of that's going to go on the team defense they play and on their net minding and whatever you want to chalk it up to. But they need to be the team that makes other teams react and not the other way around because that's how it's been too long for the San Jose Sharks. They need to be the team that dictates the pace of the game. And it wasn't perfect in this game, but I felt the Sharks put forth a performance that allowed them to play more to their natural strengths. And I thought that they they looked a lot more cohesive at times too. The passes were snappier. They looked like they had a better idea of where everybody else was going to be. And it shows you just how important a preseason, a training camp, being able to play in your own house to start off the season, the ability for the guys to see each other. I mean, these all play huge, huge factors into what we saw last night, which was just a feel-good moment. That was a Sharks feel-good moment that we all needed. I don't know if it's going to last. I'm very hopeful that it does. We don't know. There's a lot of different ways this season can go, and I know the expectations for many are very, very low on the Sharks. But what we had last night was a rare feeling of fun from the San Jose Sharks over the course of the last two seasons. It was great to have everybody back in the building. It was great to see everybody there together and celebrating something that we all love and are passionate about. And that's something I'm not going to forget. You know, I, I often talk about the fact that I do the earthquakes as well. And I got to experience that moment for the Earthquakes fan base this past June when they had their first, you know, at-capacity event since the pandemic began. And immediately after seeing that, I said, I want this for the San Jose Sharks. So we're going to take a break. On the other side, you're going to hear from my post-game rap with Randy and Drew. We'll have some fun with that. I thought there was some great insights there. And plus, it was just, uh, it was awesome to be, doing what we've been trying to do with the audio network. And we got to do it last night with expanded post-game coverage. And if you weren't listening live, I want you to be able to hear it. So I'm going to give you some of that on the other side. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open a nice cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. All right, welcome back to Morning Tide, everyone. You are getting a taste of the extended post-game coverage I did after the game last night with Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. There's some great stuff here, stuff I didn't want you to miss, so I wanted to include it on this Morning Tide. Dan, I will uh, implore you to stand up, and you can face the camera and show all the all the people who don't get to see your beautiful face all the time here as we uh, are jammed into the back. And of course, we have Drew Ramenda with us as well. Drew, I thought that was a uh, a great moment tonight. You were caught putting on your jacket, and you got to. I, I have to embarrass you, my friends, because I, I know that when we did our interview the other day, you expressed some apprehension. I, I thought that was a very sweet moment. I like to see you expressing your gratitude, and the people expressing their gratitude to you.
2: Oh, there you go. <laughs> Remember how that worked? Friggin' rookie, eh? Um, I don't think I deserve it. Don't know why um, the fans have been that great to me my entire career. I was overwhelmed and grateful that that they gave me that ovation. And, and um, I was. I was apprehensive about coming back because nostalgia is nostalgia, right? And, and it should never be about you as a broadcaster. It should always be about the game. But I got to tell you, gang, that was one of the nicest moments of my career.
1: It was very special. And Danna, you got a nice round of applause from everyone as well. I thought it was the feeling of reunion was in the air, and I don't think it was better exemplified than when Tomáš Hurdle was going to the box and he implored the fans. That, that, to me, was the moment of the night. That was what's something that everybody was waiting for. It wasn't just a goal, it was something more that spoke to the culture of being a Sharks fan and what people had really missed out on. I love that, but you know what was the moment for me? The moment was the
0: end of the game when everybody streamed off the bench to go to Aiden Hill after he made a couple of really big saves, had a couple of weird moments in the game, but it was just that togetherness that you felt with these guys, that they, they were happy to be together. They were thrilled to be back on the ice. They felt like they earned the victory, which they did, by the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Great performance. But I would say that uh, that, that, was the, that was a big moment for me, too, the, to see everybody sort of come together and celebrate the fact that hockey yeah. is back and Sharks hockey is back, too.
2: For me, it was the fight. and I you know, and Sure. I, there's, people talk about fights all the time, how they change a game, and sometimes they do, and more times are not, it's, it's overblown. But that moment, you talk about togetherness, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you're taking on Logan Stanley, who's six foot seven. He's a large human being. And Middleton was, Jacob was right in it. He was, was, was no problem going. But the, the hit happens, and then everybody's involved, and that's great. You see that togetherness. You see them sticking up for each other. After the fight, two things they shot the bench, and Brent Burns is up pounding his stick. And then andrew cogliano comes over to jacob middleton steps in the penalty box goes, way to go kid that's good stuff man
0: it was and and by the way how about middleton away from the fight he had a really solid yes. little game yes. making simple plays and doing things providing value to his hockey club beyond dropping the gloves well,
2: what did what did bob bugner say this morning right we want to see the guys make the easy plays or as he put it in, in baseball terminology if the single is there hit it mm-hmm. right hit the singles and I thought the guys, after the first period, where they got a little bit jittery in the first and they had the giveaways, that they were hitting singles. Yeah. And then after that, Weatherby's home run of a...
1: That was, a play- that was the shot of the night. Oh, I mean, what a rocket. The, the one thing I really liked here is that last year, when they got a little bit of momentum, they would almost try to make something happen. If it didn't happen immediately, they would kind of get frustrated. You could see them play that uphill hockey that we talked about the other day. Today, instead of trying to force the issue, it just seemed like they kept on chipping away. And then they let that downhill motion, the momentum, they went with it as opposed to, you know, trying to do the giant run steps down the hill yeah. and falling on their faces. <laughs> yeah. They went with it. They let it take them. And it powered them from a 2 nothing deficit to a 4-2 lead that held on for a 4-3 win.
2: Okay, you guys, last year, they win this game?
1: Not a chance.
2: Going down 2 nothing? No, no way. No way, No right? way. No, right? not a chance. Even when it was down one nothing. Right. And... He- you know, it's what we do as broadcasters. We we'll look back last year's last year, and they're they're starting fresh, new, like you said. Getting down to nothing in two goals that were turnovers that they gave the opposition. I'm not trying to belittle Winnipeg because they earned it because they forced those turnovers, but they stayed composed. They stuck with it. They again, what Bob Budner talked about this morning: just keep playing, mm-hmm. keep playing, keep playing, and that's that was a big moment
0: and it was winnipeg that lost some composure i'm thinking the dubois penalty he had a great game and mo for the most part scored a beautiful goal almost got a second one with that play through the legs to try to get it back or actually that was connor trying to get the puck to dubois but dubois got hit by shimmick yeah and then instead of just taking the number he went after him again and he got he got the penalty and that
1: was a critical turning point in that third period and
2: how many times do we see that right mm. i mean they'll call it they'll call the, a the retaliation 100 times out of 100
1: yeah yeah it was, it was fun though just to watch the team's fight and just to watch the entirety of the game happen i i think there were a lot of questions we were waiting to see answers we didn't know how they were going to respond when they went down when nothing we didn't know how they were going to respond when they were able to get themselves a little back into the game and then also we didn't know how aiden hill was going to respond and i thought that was what was the nice thing to see over the course of the game? Is you saw little micro adjustments, you saw them making changes throughout the game, and it allowed them to eventually put themselves into the lead. They were able to hold on to.
2: What do you guys think? I thought I thought going in third period they had missed thirteen shots, I think it was in in the first two periods, and then in the the two goals that were scored in the in the third, put the puck on the pads and then crashed the net. Did you did you think that? Sure. I thought they just again, you talk about micro adjustments and there's something that coach would say, hey, guys, let's just thump the pads and let's get people there. And they were able to do that and they were successful doing it.
0: And what about the fact that the lineup allows the coaches to manage the ice time properly? You got Cogliano and Benino, Benino especially in the middle. We didn't say much about him tonight, but, you know, you look at the ice time. They weren't overusing Couture and Hurdle. Mm-hmm. They were able to throw Benino out there, little power play, a little penalty
1: kill. Then all of a sudden, confidence in Weatherby. Up the middle, the Sharks were good tonight. What did you think about Timo Meyer? I thought he was much more aggressive in going towards the net. He was more liberal with taking shots and trying to make things happen. I thought that he was just more overall a disruptive force, which is what I want Timo Meyer to be. I want him to be that power forward.
2: I thought this first two periods, he struggled. I thought he gave the puck away. I thought he wasn't making smart plays. I thought he was, he was jittery. Third period settled down. Look in the uh, I think it was the fourth goal. Where was he? We talked about this the other day. He's got to be a power play guy who gets in the front because he's got a good boy, big, big, strong kid who can be there. I thought in the third period he settled down. I thought in the third period he actually was, was a difference maker.
0: I, I'd agree with that. I'd say his first shift actually was a pretty good shift. The first shift of right, the right, game, right, right, yeah. he had a pretty good moment, but then he didn't get success and he got jittery because he didn't get any success, and then. He's just sort of calmed down. I don't know if anybody talked to him, but it looked as if he just settled it down and got better.
2: So we've talked about this. This is a critical year for Timu Meyer, mm-hmm. right? This Timu can be a player that can really be a difference maker. So to me, in the first two periods, he played like he felt that and, and like wore it. Mm-hmm. And I think when young players, you know, he hasn't been in the league that long, but young players, once they identify what they do our, our good friend his former coach here once talked to his players got them in a room it was a turning point of the season where they were struggling he said what do you do what do you do and and, and everybody went yeah. he goes no no no. we're not leaving here till you every one of you describes and tells me what you do and he went around the room changed the way the team thought because you can identify what you do and how you do it and nobody was better at that than joe pavelski knew exactly what he did, knew how to do it, and then worked on his craft. Once you identify what you are, who you are as a player, and then work it, have those championship habits, there's no stopping you.
1: Where were you on William Eklund tonight? I was. I, I thought there was a lot of hesitation early on. He got more comfortable as the game went on. But I, you know, I want to see where his game is after a couple games and even longer. Obviously, you, you get excited.
0: He's 19 years old. Yeah. It's his first game. He's all excited. And Brendan Dillon takes a run at him in the middle of the ice, mm-hmm. and he is able to avoid that. Give him credit for that. But that had to put the fear of God in him a little <laughs> bit for a few <laughs> seconds, because Brendan Dillon had just knocked down Tomash Hurdle yeah, earlier in the hit. game with a hit. great hit, yeah. clean, and he did it with Shimmick too. Yeah. So here's a guy that's throwing his weight around, and you know, the kid's looking at that saying, "I know what that must feel like. I got to get out of the way." But. I I credit him with two things. Number one, he was prepared because he knew what to expect. He knew that was going to happen probably, and he was able to react to it, but he also made a pretty nice play in his first point. So as the game went on, he was better. i got to tell you, um, Weatherby, that was just an incredible wire rope of a shot. He had a nice assist on the tip, and he did a lot of things. We talked about Eklund with that nice point. Jonathan Dolan didn't have any points tonight. He did a lot of really good things out there. I, I loved with almost that. The, the,
2: almost the, the fifth goal. I don't think he got all of it, did he? When no, he, you know, no. Back a little bit further.
0: I, I replayed that because yeah. that was a good save by Helle because yeah. it was kind of a change of pace. But this kid is going to be a good player. And, um, you know, he was in on that play where Logan's fed the yep. puck up to Cogliano. You know, th- those are pl- plays like that that he's going to make.
2: He didn't let the puck go past the wall here. Right. That's why it was a good play. It was a really good play by
1: him. Right. How about Cogliano, by the way, getting things started? That Exactly what you need. Exa- that's why he was brought in. That's exactly why they signed him to the San Jose Sharks. And he comes through with a moment, and that's where everything you know started changing.
0: You know how, Drew, they they talk about players, and, and Ted, you've seen this too, and in, in, in not just hockey but in other sports, where you have these guys that are veterans, but yet they're kind of a, a sort of an assistant coach too. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. who this guy is. Yeah. Hmm he's going to be able to be a, a real help to the coaching staff. I don't think Benino is quite that yet, no. but Cogliano is.
2: I thought Nick had a really good second period. Um, yeah. And especially around the net had some... Oh, he was good. Had some chances. Um, Andrew Cogliano is a really interesting cat. I mean, he's a hockey guy, man. I mean, he's just a hockey guy. And I love guys... He's going to keep playing until they rip the jersey off his back. You know, he, he's he's jumbo in that way as far as... He just wants to keep playing, but he has a cachet, you know, in within the room, within the players, he's got some cachet and there's respect for Andrew, Andrew Cogliano because plays the game hard, plays the game honest, and he's always there for his teammates. So I think that like Andrew and you saw the emotion, the crowd, Yeah, man, I, I don't know guys, man, it's, you know, it's been a long time since I'm back in this building.
0: It was great, wasn't it? Wow.
2: That crowd, like we, you guys, you guys, you guys were here last year.
0: There was, nobody, there was here. nobody here. Nobody
2: here. How was like? How was that for you guys? Weird. It was creepy. It was yeah. It was not. It was okay. How hockey supposed to be taken now this year? Oh, this is like here. when they when they went when they got the fourth. Well, you know I know what you're like. How are you? Oh, it's, it's goosebumps. It's, it, you're right. Yeah. It is goosebumps, right? Incredible. Yeah, it's just incredible. I mean, the, I was laughing because the fans were going. We were, I was over in the you know the the 219 area, and. and
0: the condo, as we like the to condo, call it, the condo,
2: as they like to call it, <laughs> um, that they scored that fourth one. And I started to laugh because I looked down at everybody and it was like Shark Socky's back, man.
1: I want to ask you about the power play, which broke through and I thought looked much better. But initially they were having a heck of a time entering the zone. They couldn't winnipeg was doing a great job every time they tried to enter with speed every time they were trying to come in winnipeg was disrupting it was the same frustration over and over and over and then suddenly it breaks through and then they get another one after that so what were you seeing you know i don't know if you can compare to last year but what did you see on the power play and what suddenly changed other than saying well ted they scored obviously
2: (laughs) on the power play well first off face-offs they were out of their minds tonight. Over 60 percent. percent. Yeah, yeah. When they're drawing you on your face off, you got some you know, on yeah. power play. You've got some great opportunities huge improvement to, to score. Over what we saw right. last year. Okay. Secondly, like a receiver in football, you've got to finish your route. And in the first period, they didn't. And then when they're struggling with power play, they didn't finish their route. So what I mean by that, if you and I are coming up the ice and I kick it to you on the on the boards on the wing, mm-hmm. I've got to keep going so that you can push the puck deep to me. And I can't stop when I give it to you, and everything stops up high in the blue line. They pressure, and you're, and that's it. It's over. So i got to finish my route. I come in. I get, you know, it's the drop pass. I come up, and I just kick it to you on the wing. We used to call it a ladder play. Don't know why. It never made any sense. Kick it to you, and then I just climb the ladder, and I'm going deep. And then, bang, you can get the puck deep. And then after they did that, there was the, uh, I think it was that third goal where they did a terrific job, just that very thing. Yeah. And then they went low, high, across, bank to the oh. net. They... They expanded the zone. They finished their route. Then they expanded the zone after they got possession and really caused Winnipeg to, you know, have to cover a lot of, track a lot of, of ice to be able to get them to, to stop. So I Related really to fun.
0: that, too, is yeah. they, were, they were skating the way that you're supposed to. They weren't doing pirouettes out there and having circle disease. Right. They were stopping and starting. Yeah. They were positioning themselves in hard areas. And the other thing is, on the power play, I really think John McClain is going to make a huge oh, yeah. difference on this team because he just keeps things simple. He says, do the hard work. It's going to go in because you have the talent to do it, and they did it.
2: But also, Johnny's not going to, it's not going to be like football. And
0: No X's, no X's, O's. There's, just,
2: there's a few X's and O's on their breakout and entries in. But after that, it's you have to create. There's, there's, there's like everything. There's, there's non-negotiables are your core. You know, these are our, our core beliefs on the power play. This is what we have to do. And then after that, it takes good players be creative to be creative.
1: All right, that's just a taste of the great programming we are trying to bring you all season long and year-round, really, here on the Sharks Audio Network. That wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. However, I will be back with you all on Wednesday morning as we will look back at game number two of the year when the Sharks take on Montreal. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.